toilet's still flushing a little. <clears throat> it's almost done. I can hear the streetcar, but not the toilet. <laughs> Never fear. Save it for the show. Okay. There it goes. Ah. <clears throat> How's it going? <laughs> well, I'm, pr- I'm proud of you that uh, your checklist now includes uh, going to the bathroom before the show starts. You don't know that I haven't always done that. It's hard to believe, considering we podcast for like 40 minutes and you're like, well, I really got to pee, unless that's just like <sighs> your thing. It's like your, uh, your non-Irish goodbye, or you, you use your bladder as an excuse to leave any engagement. I don't do that. I can pee anywhere. I mean, it's starting to, your, your, your anti-end game fervor is starting to become more clear. You just, oh my you know, God. You don't, you don't want to put your bladder through that. Has it ever occurred to you that you don't pee enough? Has that ever occurred to you? It's never occurred it to you. Has. No. You don't, maybe you think. don't pee enough. All right. Uh, there is a context in which that thought has entered my head. Like when you're trying to sleep really late, but you have to pee and you have to make that decision about whether you get up and pee and if you'll be able to get back to bed or whether you just try to power through it. And that's making yeah. me think maybe I'm not peeing enough. Oh, interesting. You, you have the willpower. I, I had an interesting uh, thing happen this week. I think I've, um, with the local um, collectors of recycling... I don't know if you get that there, but there's a thing here, which is, uh, I, I don't call them the sand people because that would be normative, but but there are people who come and, and they go through your trash and they go through recycling and they take out all the recyclables. It's a thing people oh, yes, do. We, we've, we've got those people. Okay. Um, <laughs> single file. No, they, um, they have, it's been clear for a long time that I am a target. Um, and so basically there's been some, as you would say, evolution where people have realized that this is a good source of, uh, you know, of, uh, of what they're looking for. And there's one lady in particular who's been very, very aggressive over the years. And frankly, she's crossed a line and I've had to have words with her where I've said, you're, you're not allowed to open doors in order to get the, the recycling. That's, that's cheating. No, no presents before Christmas day. Please Wait, don't. What, what door is she opening? Can't talk about it, but there's a door that can be opened to get to, I've already said too much, and I don't want people opening doors even to get to my trash. I'm weird like that. So this is like your, I don't understand how much you could be revealing, but like your trash is not out at the curb yet. No, no, it is not. It is in the place where the trash is the other days of the week. And, mm-hmm. and, and we've, we've had words. And so, but she's like, you think you would think these people would come by on recycling day, on the day that oh. you have to put it out to get picked up, right? But they, she's coming by on, on different days. Okay, now see, now I wasn't going to talk about this because this is going to make me sound like a bad person. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with gingerly plucking out the recycling in a way, even though it's illegal according to the law, and it's mm-hmm. a crime. You're stealing, like stealing from a loaf of bread. You're, oh, <laughs> you're stealing from, I'm not going to sing. They're stealing from the company Recology. You've been to their website and they're, st- I don't care. Fine. You know what? I'm glad that somebody can make use of this. That's fine. Just please, please don't make a mess and don't do things like transfer parts of my recycling into my neighbor's recycling because we have our own cans and they're going to think that I'm being a jerk. This is mm. a very George Costanza mm. thing all the way down. But you know what? Fine. You know what? It's fine. If you want to just plug out some cans, but like, don't, don't, don't like, 
don't don't do that thing with moving it around and don't and don't make a mess. Please don't make a mess. Coming uh, uh, on the days when it's not out for pickup is interesting because no, maybe that, it is. like it's, it's the day. like it's the jump on the other people. Here's the thing. So strong are my feelings for this one particular person that I I, I do a grudge hold. I do a grudge hold until it's almost nightfall <laughs> because she, she. Oh, this is like if you put it out like the, the day before, before oh, you like, go to sleep. Right. But, but if it's not, but if it's not out, she'll come and get it. Like, well, she's, she's she'll doing help the... herself, John. Here's the thing. The law is you're not supposed to put it out. Believe me, I've gotten letters about it. You're, you're, the cans can't be here. They got to be someplace else. You can't put it out too early. They can't stay out too late because that's this stupid. There's poop everywhere in this town. But heaven forfend, I put out my recycling at 4 p.m. Okay, so I don't do that what, anymore. What is, what is the, the time cutoff for putting it out? I don't have it in front of me, but it's it's a reason. It's a reasonable time. Well, the the. The trash boys, the, the trash boys and their boys, they come in there real loud anywhere between two and five. And it's real, real in loud. In the afternoon? No, 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 no. They, they, they come during the dreaming hours and, and they're very, very loud. That's fine. I've wow. made my peace with that. All right. But so, so you, you're, they're telling you don't put it out before whatever it is, 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. Something like 4 that. Or a 2 a.m. pickup. Now, see, now me, I got, I got, you know, I'm doing that thing with my eyes and my two fingers right here. Like I got my eye on you because mm. I, I don't, I don't. I'd rather anybody else have it other than you, right? Um, and uh, and so and so sometimes I withhold it, and so I've made it. I've made it my habit to withhold. Please go ahead. I realize I I am jumping far down in this stack. She's got her eye on your place though, but she's oh, she John. wants she wants what's in that sweet sweet uh, can, right? And so she's yeah. doing reduce, reuse, recycle, reconnoiter. Like oh, she's I've, on I've, your tail, buddy. I've watched. She does laps. She's already gone through. She's picked through everybody else's stuff, but she has not gotten to the grand pinata yet. She's still waiting for daddy to bring it to the curb because we've had words. And you're still undoing like the, the 24 pack of seltzer every day. Like, I don't even know what you're 24 what particular... is high. 24 is high. <laughs> but, but there are, there's a lot of, there's a, you know what? There's a <laughs> lot of, you're, you're what they, you're what they call a whale. A whale. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am a whale. I, yes. And, and I have a grudge against her. And uh, it's it's not because she's a woman. It, it's because I just don't like her as a person. Hey, have have you, all right? I don't, how about how about this one? Have you thought about setting aside your recyclings in a special package you put out just for her? You know what I need is a new, I need another project. My lady said this. I was complaining about this woman. She said, well, "What if we started putting our recycle? Well, like, well, why don't we just start putting it in alphabetical order? Like, what else do I need to do? I already put, have put, to put stand and stomp on the recycling to fit it in, John." Twice a week, I have to get on a Coleman cooler, step into the big blue can, and jump on it until it's pushed down enough. I'm not even talking. I'm not talking about Amazon boxes. I'm talking about household recycling, and I don't want to use our neighbors because that's going to be a thing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you could like arrange a time where she could just come into your home and collect your recycling for you. That's a good idea. I should do that. I should have more words with her. Yeah, just just come like even if we're not here, we'll just you know give her a key and oh, she can like just come Amazon, into your house and collect uh, all your garage. cans. She could just help herself in. She yeah, can collect all collect all your cans for you. Then you mm-hmm. don't have to put them in the bin. You don't have to squish the bin down, and you just come home and all your cans are gone. That's I should talk to her about that. That would be uh, recycling as a service. Speaking of uh, neighbors being paranoid by each other, did you see the next door? I mean, I don't know if you've been keeping up on the next door memes, but there was a good mm-hmm. one recently. It was probably super old, possibly also made up, but that's the internet for you. About someone having a story about, uh, I'm not going to do it justice, can remember the details, but like a, a car was following them and they <laughs> changed cars and the car was still following them or something like that. Wow. And, you know, typical sort of paranoid uh, 
thing about what's going on. I don't know maybe a car was driving past her. Anyway, and then the, the the flip side of it is the person who is doing the following has the same story from the, the reverse direction about a suspicious car. So it's two people thinking the other person's car was suspicious and chasing each other around. What? Which I feel like is a is a, a good use of next door because neither one was actually doing something nefarious and both of them thought the mere existence of something else is nefarious. And so they were investigating each other and you, both posting about it to next door. Your kid, who figured it out? Who put the, who made the connection? I don't know. I mean, it's the internet. I saw someone tweeted oh, yeah. with two different photo, two different screenshots of the next door thing. And you could <sighs> see how they matched up with each other. And it was like, that's well, uh, there you go. So it's, it's, that's a love match as far as next door is concerned. Absolutely. Keep those, keep those two people. I'm going to say keep those two people off the streets, but technically speaking, they're on the streets driving they're, around. They're still day. out there. <laughs> Just circling each other. So, so I withhold because this is a thing that I do partly out of like, I just, you know, I don't want there to be a mess, but mainly I just personally don't like her. I don't like that mm-hmm. particular recycling gatherer, but here's the thing. Now she's doing laps with her cart. She's going up and down the street. She's doing laps and I could see her and, and she looks at me and I look at her and I do this thing with my, my fingers and my eyes and I go, I'm, I'm watching you. She's, mm-hmm. she, she's going up and down, up and down. And, and, uh, you know, I already, because I'm withholding, um, I don't want it to seem like I'm doing it to help her. Okay. So, but as you have, uh, as you said, I'm a whale and I didn't realize how much of a whale I was until a recent recycling night. My, uh, my wife said, she arrived home from work and she said, um, you see that, um, that squirrely guy out front? I'm like, oh, was he sitting on the curb next door, staring in the other direction away from us? Was it it Skeeter? (laughs) No. She said, yeah, actually it was. It was a guy like just sitting, sitting on a curb, staring in the other direction. I said, yeah, yeah. He's online. He's, um, he, he's waiting, he's waiting for the recycling. Um, (laughs) so he camps out now. Now the other lady, she's coming up and down. You know, and so now I want to try and time it. It's a little bit like Frogger, I guess. I want to time it mm-hmm. so that it arrives for him. I guess there's something like dibs. This week, though, we had a new point where I had uh, not counting the lady with the cart, the original uh, uh, lady I'm withholding from. There were two people waiting for me to put out the recycling. So, yes, I drink a lot of water. I'm very well hydrated. And I think you should look at yourself and ask yourself whether you're urinating enough. Well, this is pretty fraught, this this whole Oh, it's, a hell of a, it's a hell of a town, really. I stomp on it. I, I get on the cooler and then I step. I it, you, you were, were you the one who was sending me the, the, the relative sizes yes. of your trash versus recycling thing? And your recycling thing was like comically larger than your trash thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they replaced the um, trash, trash cans the, the, that they provide. And it looks like it's kind of the size of a normal municipal trash can, but it's not. It's basically uh, got like not a false bottom, whatever the office has got a true bottom, which is mm-hmm. that it is only the top. It is only the the top between a third and a half of the actual can. So of course it's hilariously top heavy. But yeah, you know we get sixteen gallons for uh, for refuse, for, as you say, when you throw it away, and then we've got uh, I think thirty two gallons for recycling that we fill every single week. So maybe it is, and again, I think I referenced the the, the uh, Lord of the Rings movies. And I saw maybe it's not that the that the recycling one is huge; it's that the trash one is so small. Mm. Is that what it is? I didn't because you weren't you weren't in the photo for size, and also you're a, a very diminutive uh, well, fellow yourself. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, a, I'm a little guy. I almost disappear. Help! Help! I'm in the blue can. Help! Uh. 
<laughs> hey, mister. Hey, mi- oh, no. Wouldn't that be an O. Henry if the one time she defied my orders <laughs> was to go back there and find this little podcaster in a can? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be cute? And she could help me out with that, that, that damn grin she has the entire time. Stop. Don't do that. Don't, when the door is closed, don't go past the door. Stop smiling at me. So you mentioned the Frogger thing before, but if you have the guy who's waiting across the street and the person space doing invaders laps, is closer to space invaders. Well, when is the right time to do it? If you've got the lapper and and the and the the stairer. Well, I mean, the the truth is, this is you know, it's it's. Do you wait till all... they're both there and they're both looking at each other and then fight, you sneak fight, thing? fight. <laughs> she bluffing, finish her. The um, no, I um, it's 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 uh, only barely a bit. I eventually I go. <sighs> And I, and I wheel it all out to the curb, and then and then they all they all grin at me, and they start going through it. Can you name the sequence of cardinal directions from the chorus of the Frogger song? Nope, no good with lyrics. No, I wasn't a big. Yeah, okay, I'll check the lyrics. I wasn't a big Frogger. Or no, not the not the song from the Frogger game. Okay, the the, the what the hell is it called? Frogger mm-hmm. the musical. Oh oh, they're doing that now. Oh, the Paul and Storm song. Come on. Oh okay. Um, eggs, bacon, and toast. No, forget it. Never mind. All Start right. your well, just, day we'll the just... Gurgitch way with mm-hmm. eggs, bacon, and toast. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. Um, getting a lot of water. Now, you, you bring up an interesting point, though, which is what I'm hearing you saying. You're somebody who wishes they had more sleep. You're somebody who's apparently got great existential certainty that enough urine's being produced somehow. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it, that's the... The only time it comes up, I feel like, is in the context of, like, I could, I if I was awake, I would be peeing now. But because I'm half asleep in bed, I'm considering whether I should get up uh, and pee. Okay, I mean, this, I, this leads to my question, which is, how often is getting up to pee a deal breaker for you? How often is getting up to pee a uh, extinction-level event for your sleep? Uh, meaning what? Meaning I get woken up? So, like, I, I, I go through the same thing. And because now, believe it or not, the number of times I get up has gone up. And, um, but there is a window... Of I want to say because I'm getting into that window, this is this Venn window of like, uh, we're getting near the time that I'm gonna get up anyway because I wake up early now. But I'm also in the thing of like, oh, I could get bonus sleep if I double down, you know, with my efforts. I think you mean capture bonus sleep. Bonus sleep is captured; it's not gotten. Oh, I see. It's like chasing a turtle. You're saying this is this is your terminology. I'm sticking to your rule book. Okay, okay. I appreciate you holding me to that. Um. Mm-hmm. But there'll be a time. Let's let's come up with a good good solid time. Uh, four fifteen, because I I wake I wake up usually by like five or five thirty. So like, but you know, you whatever yours is, adjust as appropriate, right? Um, but is there is there a time where you're really really on the fence because you know there's some chance? And I don't want to jinx you here, but you should be drinking more water. Is there a time where you think extra hard and go like, oh man? Like, is there a point where there's like a 50-50 chance? It's a, it's like a Rosenberg uncertainty pee where like, you know, if I get up now, uh, 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 there's a pretty good chance that he ain't going to get back to sleep. Yeah. Well, that time is like 9.30 for me. 9.30 PM? AM. Oh. Oh, you're talking, you're talking <laughs> I about- I don't get up in the night to pee. This is, I'm talking about in the morning. I'm, I'm a young, vibrant man, Merlin. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like, is it mostly on like my, my day to sleep on, on, on the your, weekend? On your weekend day that you are given. Or that you right. that you have captured that I'll I'll want to still be sleeping and it'll be like no I also don't really want to look at the clock it's it's totally bright out it's sunny out at this point right and hopefully the door to the bedroom is closed and people in the house aren't making too much noise but I'm but I 
feel like I could, I'm still tired and I could sleep mm-hmm. more, but I do have to pee. And it's that because it's totally bright sun and everyone else in the house is awake. You're like, can I even make it into the bathroom without being accosted by an animal and or human from the house asking for something? In which case, yes. I'm definitely up. Um, or will just the act of getting up out of bed mean that when I come back in, that it'll just like it'll be too late, I'll be up because it's just so sunny. I don't know if you're aware of this principle. I want to say that it's from uh, like a development uh, technology school. Um, but uh, you ever heard that phrase, uh, no feigning surprise? I have. You introduced me to it. Um, I'm not, I, I don't, know that. I don't mean to be, I see, I don't know. You don't, I don't know if you listen to the show. Yes, I do. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, uh, feign surprise here, but wow, you can sleep till nine 30 on a weekend. I mean, I could go longer than that if, if conditions are met. Okay. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but if, if literally no one else is home, yeah. I guess, including the dog at this point, yeah, I can cleanly go to the bathroom at nine 30, come back in and go back to sleep. Like I can absolutely do that, uh, but when people are home, and you don't take any drugs at borderline. all. No drugs. No, I don't. I don't have a problem sleeping. Oh man, pretty good at it. Hacker school. Hacker school. Is that what it's from? Yeah, I think so. Okay, the recurse center. Is that a, is that a computer joke because of curses? Mm, maybe. Well, yeah. Okay. Not because of curses. Because because of recursion. Oh, it's also about recursion. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be a bootstrap site. Okay, I'm closing the window. Um, so yeah, anyway, you just, you know, check yourself before you wreck yourself, man. You only get one bladder, you know? Yeah. That's why I usually, that's why I usually get up. And it's honestly, cause like by the time nine, nine thirty rolls around, like just, there's no, there's, it's not possible to continue to be sleeping in this house with this many people. And it's just not possible. I know. I know. I know. I know. It's, um, uh, yeah. Oh, you know how you like to brag about how many kids you have? Believe mm-hmm. me, in this case, I'm, I'm going to one up you. Believe me, I know. We have a smaller footprint than your uh, wavy like the ocean house. We have a very small footprint here. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's just not possible because there's a project and then there's a thing. And then there's like, come watch this vine, which I love. I, I love that I'm invited to watch the vine. Mm-hmm. Could daddy sleep just a little bit more, please? Yeah, and then like something is wrong with the computer needs to be fixed, or someone needs to print. Uh, I haven't mentioned that. This is a this is a thing with my kids. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing with all kids. Uh, you know, it's driving me a little bit batty because as they get older, I'm like, still really like the thing where you do your best to ask them about the state of the homework, <sighs> maybe on the Friday or whatever. But they there is the whole weekend is there, and you see them the whole weekend not doing homework or maybe you see them doing homework doesn't even matter like either you don't see them doing homework or you see them sitting there and doing homework or they spread their homework out over two days or they do it on most of it on saturday and a little on sunday or they save it all for sunday or whatever and you ask them how's the homework going you think you're getting done blah 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 and they're like yep homework's totally done everything's good uh and then monday morning about 90 seconds before the bus arrives they're like i need to print something Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the printer's not working. Yeah. Or it's not printing. I hate the stupid computer. Why won't it print? I'm like, why are you waiting until literally 90 seconds before you have to leave the house or less <sighs> to print something? You had the whole it's weekend. It's your fault. It is your fault. You it's your fault. You had the whole weekend. Yeah. Why don't you buy a printer that works? You had yeah. the whole weekend. You were doing homework. Yeah. You did a bunch of things over the weekend. It was 48 hours. So much time to print. That's the time to find out that the printer doesn't have any ink or doesn't have any paper or isn't printing right or whatever the hell the problem is because printers are terrible. Not like know, with your coat and backpack and shoes on. Yes. With the bus about to arrive, oh yeah, I have to print something. 
Like with their little brains, they're not fully formed. I know, I know. And I'm trying, see, this is almost causing me, I'm lying too much this episode. This is almost causing me literally physical pain because here's the thing. Okay, so I go through what you're going through, probably not as much as you're going through it because you do have two of them. And I need to print more stuff. I guess, but like- High school, yeah. I mean, the truth is like, we got really good, I think I told you this before, but we got really good advice from our second grade teacher when we said- we said, hey, you know, uh, homework's causing a lot of stress. And I mean, there's a lot of crying and upset about the homework and like, oh, we're trying to be helicopter parents, but I'm not sure it's working. And she was awesome. And she said, you know, why don't you hand this over to her and make this her thing? And long story short, it actually has worked mostly extremely well, except when it doesn't. Honestly, for three years, four years, whatever it's been, she's gotten real good at it. And she knows mostly. Now, here's the thing, what you're describing because I don't want to be a jerk. Like I, I, I'm trying to work the system. I know she needs to be motivated eventually to do this on her own, but I'll do a gentle, like, Oh, Hey, so, uh, what do you got tonight? Oh, I got kid blog. I got, I got one page of, you know, I got one page of math. I got to work on my little 20% project. And it's like, okay, so you're good with that. And it's like, man, yes, yes. They just updated the village in Minecraft. Please leave me alone. Okay. So you're, you're good with all of that. And I'm like, hey. and then I come back in. Yeah, I poke my head in. I'm like, yeah. So uh, you want to uh, maybe just try and knock out the, uh, try and knock out that uh, math page, you know? Um, and that mostly goes fine. Okay, but here's the situation. This is where <laughs> this is where it meets up with what you're describing, which is on a Friday. I'll say so. Where are we? <laughs> where are we with the homework things? And she's like, oh, I turned in this today, you know, and that's all good, and this is done. And I'm like, okay, but. Forgive me. Forgive my asking. There have sometimes, there's been a thing sometimes. I don't know how this happens. I say to my beloved kid, I say, I don't know how this happens, but it does happen. Which is sometimes you have a freak out because you suddenly realize there's a bunch of something that hasn't gotten done yet. I'm trying to put this in a very gingerly way. But maybe that's something where you go, oh gosh, I just realized there's 59 Khan Academies that are due on Monday. Or, you know what I mean? The various kinds of things. It could be a project thing. It could be a bring into school thing. It could be a stand-up bit from the 80s. But there's something where there has been some bioavailable homework for days or weeks that suddenly the bill has come due for. And now we are in meltdown territory. And when you're in meltdown territory, guess what? Not a lot of homework is getting done. And I've learned to hang back and not try to bribe you know, her way out of feeling bad because that's hers to deal with. But, but that's what I'm trying to do with what you're describing is like, I just want to, for my own sanity, I just need to know that, you know, it's like when she looks for things and I try to help her look for something. And she says, I already looked there. And I said, see, that's the problem. You need to look in the places where you haven't looked. Right. And so that's how, that's how looking works. And with the, with the homework, like, I, I know you say it's all done and you keep saying it's all done, but are, is it really all done? Because if that comes up, then everything in the house kind of stops and everybody's sad. And I, there's nothing I can help with at that point. And I think, I, I think you're right. I think it's a brain thing where like, I, I, I don't know if I'm helping when I do that. I'm trying to be cool dad about it, but like, I just, I just can't, it sucks. It sucks. And I don't know how to keep it from happening. And it still happens every like six weeks or so. Yeah, my my kids are, don't need us to remind them to do like they're they take care of their own homework and everything. But I think the problem is like like they think you know the only thing I'll ever say to the homework is if is it done or not, and the answer is sometimes no. 
And then the answer is yes. But when they say yes, it's not actually done. They It's done according to their definition. It's not even like you're talking about like, oh, you forget about this assignment because that happens occasionally too. I just totally forgot, whatever. But but like if you were to ask them, like list off the things or whatever, they'd be like, I have this, 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 and I did all that stuff. And what they would probably say at the end, if probably you literally have to have a gun to their head for them to even tell you this, but it would be like, they would list all the things they did because a gun is to their head and it's the only way they'll talk about this. And then they would say, yeah, and all I have to do is print it. And it's like, mm-hmm. print it now. Right. Don't wait until your backpack is on. John, print, print it now print. and put it in your backpack now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like why? You're, why not, wait? you're not and losing like, points. You're not losing points by putting all the things in the backpack that need to leave the house tomorrow. Not only will the lounge be tidier, but now all the things you need, if you want your earphones to walk home tomorrow, let's put them in there tonight. That's okay. You're not like, you're not being a dork to like plan ahead. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like the, the thing where you just, you want to be done, done with homework as fast as possible. So your definition of done, as they say in business these days is so it's so tight. It's like, what is the soonest I can declare doneness? Mm-hmm. And minimum goes, viable, ah, minimum the, the viable printing, doneness. <laughs> the printing is not part of the doneness. Let's yeah. just let's just drop. And so you can declare done as soon as you're done with everything except for the printing. Mm-hmm. And then the morning of, you're like, the good thing I'm already done with all my homework. All I need to do is print it. And then you'll put that off as long as you possibly can until you're about to walk out the door and you remember there's a thing you need to print. And then the printer doesn't. Nobody, nobody then, told the empty magenta thing. And now I don't have a way to make magenta appear right now. And now it's a fire drill. And now it's a fire drill. Here's here's one I go around with, and I swear to God, we have to stop talking about this. But um, there's one where, like, I, I sometimes when I when I feel like I'm saying like one of my smarter things, because uh, I used to say smart things like nominally, I'll say one of my smarter things, and and she looks at me like I don't know, like I'm a llama trying to sell her a vacuum cleaner because she'll I'll say okay, and you need a jacket. She goes, that's I, I, fine. I was like, no. I'm like, okay, you live in a city that is famous for like needing layers. Like people don't just say that because it's funny. It's because the weather changes a lot. And, and here's the thing. And, and, and this felt smart, but then she looked at me like a llama. I said, I said, here's what planning is. Planning is not assuming that everything is going to go well. Um, it's not assuming that everything will go poorly, but it is thinking through. <laughs> it's thinking through the things that could be just different than what we expected. Like we're starting to do some drills for like what happens when she, I'll just say like when she gets to her next school. And I was like, you know, it's not just like, oh, I know how to do this if everything goes flawlessly. I want you to plan for, I want you to be like a spy. I want you to be like, I want you to be an operative. I want you to know what to do if your phone is dead and the bus didn't show up and this and that. Like I, you need the situational awareness to make it like an in the moment decision about the thing to do to keep yourself safe and take care of the thing. And that's what planning is. And I, I, and again, I get, I get this crazy look at me, like, what are you talking about? But to me, that's what planning is. I mean, as we'll talk about in a segment tonight, I'm not really as good at this as I used to think I was, but like, that's kind of what project management is. That's what planning is. That's the ability to say, like, we have tried to foresee the things that may go differently than we expect and could actually go very badly differently we expect and that's that's what planning is but you can't say that because it's, it's hot i'm hot right now uh, i think that i think i've mentioned this in the show before but i spend a surprising amount of my time worrying about my children dying from exposure in 40-ish <laughs> degree weather 
Uh, you know, for, <laughs> like Jack, Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining, yeah, you just find but, them crouched but not over. even in like the winteriest. But like for my son, like I mean, I assume he'll get over this someday. But like we continue, this is so weird. It's like I think of a depressing analogy, but it's like continuing to well, the thing we continue to do for our son is we continue to buy him, uh, you know, suburban parent uh, winter jackets. Like mm-hmm. expensive, fancy. I'm a, a, a upper middle class <laughs> child who lives in the suburbs. Winter jackets. They're not. They're not, they're not, they're not jacket. single use jackets. They're winter jackets. Yeah. It's just. It's like an L.L. Bean jacket. It's a ski jacket. It's whatever the heck it is. It's. It's. It's a nice, expensive winter jacket that he ignores. I mean, Boston winters can get very cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have long stretches of, you know, months long where it's below freezing. We have weeks long where it's single digits during the, the warmest part of the day. It's very cold. And he will not wear a winter jacket. Not only will he not wear a winter jacket, but underneath his, like, fleece hoodie or whatever thing that he thinks is a substitute for a winter jacket, he wears a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. It's He doesn't wear shorts in the winter, but he's close to it. I think he would. He's, um, so it's like... Why do we keep buying the child winter jackets? And so I have to tell him, look, if you're waiting for us or waiting for the bus, you can live outside in what you've taken today for about two hours before you die from exposure. Yeah. Because it's six degrees and windy and you are wearing a fleece hoodie, a t-shirt and a pair of track pants. That's all you're wearing, right? So you will literally- I wouldn't wouldn't let him get in a car in wintertime dressed like that. Because what if the car breaks down? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, dropped into the ocean in the North Atlantic. Right? You have a certain amount of time and after that, you're just going to die. And there's literally nothing you can do. About it. So I say, look, if you're trapped somewhere and we are not there to pick you up yet, don't just sit outside feeling cold because you will eventually just die. Go to I, I, we're in the suburbs. Just knock on someone's door and say, hi, can I come into your warm house and call my parents on your phone or whatever? Or like just stay in or go back into the school or if the school is locked, like you have to get indoors or you will die. And he gives me the look that I imagine your daughter is giving you, which is Mm -hmm. like, what are you even talking about? Because they all think they're invincible. And the the reason they think they're invincible is because they're young people with good circulation. They're always hot. Right. As soon as my son comes in the house, he takes off his socks wherever well, he happens and they're to be ambulatory. because he's too hot. They're ambulatory. Like they could walk. Right. Away. They feel like they could walk away from whatever situation they're not happy yeah, yeah. with that minute. But they have such good circulation and they're warm all the time that they don't realize that. Like that's that's why it doesn't. That's why they can be out in six degrees in a t shirt and a thin jacket. It's because they're coasting on like carryover warmth. Like when you take the meat off the grill, like the temperature keeps going up, right? But they don't realize the carryover warmth, that part stops after, you know, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. And then in hour three, you die. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, uh. Like there's no superpower that you have that will allow you to survive in six degree weather in a T-shirt. There's mm. just not. No. So it's just physics. And I can't get them understand that. My, my daughter is a little bit better, but not really that much better. So I get to look all the time, too. And mm-hmm. they won't, they won't wear anything decent outside. So I'm just constantly like, it's like a timer. It's like, I release my children out into the wild. And then I know they need to be either in a building every so often <laughs> they need to go back in a building to recharge their, you know, warm circulatory system or they will die. I forget if I said it here or in texting, but this is why we, uh, we used to do something similar. Um, we did something similar where we would get her like a, you know, not like a costly coat but like we've lost so many really nice coats so i started putting tiles into them i would put a tile into them and she hates that she doesn't like it being in there okay fine we lost so many of those that now finally we've thrown up our hands 
And now we are either, it's going to be Cat and Jack from Target, or it's going to be H&M at this point, mostly. Because like, what is the point of buying something? You know, I'm sorry, this is so boring. They'll get it. They'll figure it out. Well, at least she takes it with her and pretends like she's going to wear it. My kids won't even take it leaves the house. So we just need to stop buying it. I check Lost and Found every single day. It's a thing I do when I pick her up. First, I go to Lost and Found every single day. And then I got to look at that, that plastic container full of kids' clothing and just think about what's in there. It's basically mm-hmm. like a lice marinade. Mm-hmm. It's really, really, really sucking Lice if juices. you're lucky. You're not Ugh. lucky. It's bed bugs. <laughs> That's not bed bugs. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by ExpressVPN. You can learn more about ExpressVPN right now by going to expressvpn.com slash diffs. You know, sometimes cybercrime seems like something from the movies. It's hard to imagine anyone trying to get a hold of your information. But stealing data using public Wi-Fi is an easy way for the bad guys to make money. And it does happen to normal people like me and you. Isn't that sad? If you leave your internet connection unencrypted, your passwords and credit card numbers could be vulnerable. But there's something that you can do to protect yourself from cyber criminals, and that's to start using ExpressVPN. And not tomorrow, sometime next week, you start using it today. Because ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address. And it has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click. And then you're ready to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or getting your personal stuff stolen. That's no good. ExpressVPN was rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it even comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, now when they say that thing about one click, I mean, that's really true. You know, you get this app and, and you just do a little bit of configuration, and it really is literally a one-button operation. You don't have to have it on all the time. Maybe a good idea if you're on a network you trust, but I'm telling you, when you're anywhere that is not, or possibly not, one that you trust. You just, you hit a button, you turn it on. It's just the best. If you're traveling, oh, you've got to have this. You got to get the ExpressVPN. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that uh, the, the people like us have. You can get it. It's, uh, anybody can get it. You just go get it. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and you want to keep the bad guys away from you, you need ExpressVPN. So go to expressvpn.com slash diffs to learn more. Protect your online activity today. And find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash diffs. Say it thrice, and it's almost like praying expressvpn.com slash diffs for three months free with a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. All right, if we want to get to a... a, a Topic today, we have to get to it. So we, we have do, to skip I, all I the stuff. I forgot to mention, we do have follow-up. You know, I did. I sent you the picture of the uh, thing on the bottom of the couch, right? Mm-hmm. I found. I found the. Uh, I found mm-hmm. the the thing with the the year that it was made. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the proper. To, let's get to the uh, the proper portion of the uh, show. Yeah, we're skipping. We're skipping a bunch of stuff that'll keep until next week. But uh, we have a, a main topic that is inspired by one of your other podcasts. As always, this is. I believe the title was Fifteen Things. Yes episode of Roderick on the line in which he described and I won't ruin one of his experiences a job he had and the salient point about the story was how he was bad at that job are you going straight to the main topic yes we're not gonna talk about my Herman cartoon no we're gonna go right to the main topic thanks to um, listener at the Millsap for finding a very funny National Lampoon comic thank you Um, main topic I told you I was skipping it it's funny it's you got me off my rhythm now all right Yes, we did find the comic. 
You should put it in the show notes so people who want to see that stupid comic can see it. I already did. Not funny. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Still tastes horrible. Anyway, jobs we're bad at. That inspired me to think about jobs we're bad at. Uh, I can. I was just, I had a particular thought about uh, a job that I was bad at, but I saw before the show that C- you Can were I do cramming. a quick fill-in? Am I throwing it for rhythm if I do a quick fill-in here for people who haven't listened? I just explained it, but yeah, I didn't want to ruin the whole oh, Roderick Online. Oh, man. Okay, jeez. Well, I'm I not doing to, anything I, right I just, tonight. I, I did an abbreviated version of the summary because I, I didn't want to ruin it. There's, It's a good thing you should listen to the episode. It's called 15 Things. Link will be in the show notes. It's about John Roderick, and he was bad at one of his jobs. But I don't want to say anymore because I feel like you're taking away the power of the story if I say anymore. And all we need is the jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I had something in mind for myself, but then I saw when you were cramming, you have a lot the jobs that you think you were bad at. So I thought that I would no. describe my job, my one job that I was ever bad You're at. So my, bad at this. Life. That was my list of all the jobs I could remember. And then I made a spreadsheet in Google Sheets tonight <laughs> so that I could go in and provide more, you know, uh, more more probative value. That was, a, that was a lot of jobs, though. That's, That's a, a lot, lot of jobs. Yeah. Yeah. But you like Mandy, right? Yeah, well, so let me, let, me, uh, let me briefly tell my story of the one job I was bad at, and then I want to hear about all the many, many jobs that no, you were bad at. No, no, and no. Also, no, the many no, jobs no. that you were bad at. Mm, no, no, no. I'll, the I'll, ones, I'll, the small I'll, jobs. I'll address <laughs> what you call tapas. You didn't, did you even hear it? You can't even hear it when I say it, can you? Yes, of course. What are you talking about? All right, all right. All right. I heard you. All right. Do you want to start the show? Yeah, we're ready. <sighs> I I'm, think, so, I'm so confused. Why? I don't understand. When have we ever gone to a main topic this gotta, early? What's you happening? Gotta be, you got to be ready for anything. Is um, that what I do? Okay. You, gotta be, you just got to be ready. <laughs> You're not going to explain the 15 things, Ben? No, I'm not. <laughs> Would you stop? You, you just determined to ruin it for people. It's a good episode. Like, people who like listen Mandy. to it it's in the show notes. <sighs> All right, my my one job that I was bad at, which I a story I've already told in this podcast, I think, but not everyone has listened to every episode. And if you have, guess what? You're going to hear me say it again. Uh, and Marilyn's probably forgotten it by now anyway, so it's fine for everybody. It's new to you because you're old and senile. <laughs> tell me, you can tell me, uh, Marilyn, when, you know, stop me when, not, you can't stop me, but interject when you're like, oh yeah, now I remember this. I'll do what story. I always do, which is you would say, have I ever told you the story about this thing? You say and no, but even if you have, say it anyway. Oh my God. That's exactly, I do that. You do that. I listen, oh my I listen God. to your programs. Is that a bit? Do I do that? Is that a bit? It's not a bit, but it's a thing that you do. I definitely do that. Mm-hmm. Well, even if you told me about it, tell me about it again. I, I don't yeah. remember right now, but if you have told me, tell, me, tell it again. Yeah. You, is it about yeah. Mandy? No, no. Like I said, you tell me when it starts to sound familiar. So this was over the some over some summer. I think I was in college, probably. But it's like one of the situations where I don't know. It must have been like before I got all the parks jobs, which I loved and was great at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was coming back to Long Island from from Boston. And I needed to have a job for the summer because I need money, mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted to get. I didn't want to get like a just random person job. I wanted to get a job that was related to my major. I was majoring in computer engineering. I'm like, isn't can I get like I know something now? Can't I get some kind of job related to computers? And so I found I don't I don't know. It was before the internet. How did you find jobs for the internet? It was really complicated and and it wasn't a good system. Somehow, some way, I found a way to applying for a job at Computer Associates, a company you've probably never never heard of. Yeah, consulting firm. But they they had a giant so headquarters. Are they like a giant giant like 
consulting like CA. They're like a huge firm, right? Yeah, they were they were pretty big and they had built a very large, ugly headquarters like five minutes from my house on Long Island, which is unheard of because I wasn't like near lots of industry. But for, some, for whatever reason, Computer Associates had decided they wanted to build a headquarters near me in the middle of Long Island. I'm like, well, they have computer in the name. And I've actually heard that they're a surprisingly large company, despite the fact that I had never heard of them until, you know, 10 minutes ago. So let me apply for a job there. And some, again, do you, do you remember how applying for jobs used to work before mm-hmm. the internet? Like how, what, what it involved? Like not just it like might, applying. It might like, as well have involved like a Pony Express. Like it, you, it was well, easier. Even if you could find it. I mean, you know, you could like, I remember reading what color is your parachute and like it was resources for resources. Good advice about your resume. I sent you some of my resume. Um, but like, it was also like, you got to, it was like finding a grant almost in the eighties, you know, like you got to find the place, you got to track them down and then you wait and wait and wait. And I mean, you don't, I remember people saying as career advice, never call, you never call about a job. You always have to like go through this whole like kabuki of, of this this ritual of back and forth with people to know that you're like even welcome. Yeah, there was a lot of gatekeeping, and it, it was the the more menial the job, the actually the easier it was to get it. Because if you just wanted a job at McDonald's, you go in and ask for an application. If they're hiring, they'll take your application and they'll probably take one look at you and either chuck your application in the trash or hire you. But you least you knew there was a process that there was a sign that said whether they were hiring, <laughs> right? So right, you could right. know you're not wasting your time. They had the applications right there, and the person who can make hiring firing decisions might even be there to look at you in the face and do something based on it, right? Whereas in a big company, it was like you had to know somebody. It was, you know, it was gatekeeping. Like, my uncle knows someone who works there, and I know for a fact that they're hiring in this department, and I know the name of the person who's collecting applications and give me your resume, and I'll put in a word for you, and that's how you get a job. Like, that. That's that. as far as I'm able to determine, that was the system for the most part. So I think I had an in like that. Because again, I'm a you know white suburban person, and I know someone who knows someone who knows a person at the thing because it's a big company, and they hear they're hiring in this particular thing, and I'm just looking for a summer job, and they hire temporary helpers in the summer, and whatever. Like I had never applied to a non you know <laughs> non menial job before this, right? Because you know uh, working at a clothing store is the type of thing where you walk in and you ask for the application because they have a hiring sign on it, right? This is not like that. So somehow I complete this process and it's like, good news, you are hired to whatever it is you thought you were applying to show up on this time and day. Now, Computer Hmm. Associates, I knew this before I went there and I really knew it after I got there, had a reputation for being a company, like they're successful because their standards are high and they're like a tough company. Like if you work there, they expect you to like really work and perform. And I think they were all early on the whole stack ranking business, you know, all that from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Where you got to like force rank on a bell curve and like the two lower people go. Yep. And like every single manager in any, any job has to force rank all of their people. Like <laughs> there is no, there is no job that is so low brutal. enough and in the, in the, it's a terrible, terrible system. What, what a great way to like breed in like only the most horrible people to want to work somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and so th- this, th- they were going home on that. And so I got hired, I-, I show up in the time of the day. And so my, my first sign that I was not where I was expected to be was that I was not anywhere near any computers, but instead was in a giant sort of like factory floor type place, a very large high ceiling place. Uh, second was I was with a bunch of people who are all 
adults. Like, I mean, I know I technically was an adult at that point too, or whatever, like I was in college, but they were all much older than I was. Uh, third, all of them looked very sad. <laughs> and pretty soon I looked very sad too. And what we were going to end up doing was literally stuffing envelopes. So, Oh they, my gosh. They're large manila envelopes. And into each envelope was to go. So the person who came out who was our boss or supervisor who was going to was going to stack rank all of us was saying, here's the middle envelope. Here's what goes in each envelope. You put one booklet in, you put two of these pieces of paper, you put one of those pieces of paper. Like there's a certain number of things that went in the envelope in a certain order, including, you know, including a booklet, but mostly loose pieces of paper. And you put those items in the envelope and then you close it up, but don't seal, but just fold the flap over. And then you put the envelopes in these plastic bins and then you put the bins in this conveyor belt. Oh my God, John! That was the job. It's a summer job. It's temp work. Uh, no, I, I just don't even just, just to bring up speed here. Are we talking about job you liked least or job you were worst at? Worst at. Oh, okay. You're ready. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so you think, all right. Well, so maybe you didn't like this job, but how could you be bad at it? You know, I did I, all sorts of jobs. In general, I feel like I do a good job. This was, this was, I just described you the whole job. There was, there's certain things you put in the envelope. You put the envelope in, you seal it, you put it in the bin. The bin, once the bin is full of envelopes, you put you're it on the conveyor You're a human cron belt. job. <laughs> put, it, put it on the conveyor belt and then it goes down the conveyor belt and you just repeat that process till the end of the day. Um, so the, the reason this is going to sound terrible is like the reason I was bad at this job is because my, like, it, it didn't fit with, fundamentally didn't fit with uh, my expectations and my self-image i wanted a computer job i'm a smart computer person in college learning about computer things i applied to a computer company i'm given this job i need to use my brain to show how smart i am mm-hmm. i have like that was my way to think of i'm doing a good job right so all you people are just going to do what the boss person said to do but I, looking at this problem, need to apply my super duper computer brain in some way to show that I'm a smart person. Here is how, and and to make it seem like I was doing something, I was adding some kind of value. And so my smart person brain <laughs> decided, look, what's going into these envelopes is a, a bunch of pieces of paper, but also like a like a bound booklet that was thick, like maybe a half an inch thick or whatever. And when you st- stuff the envelope completely. It doesn't make like a uniform thick envelope. It makes like a lumpen thing because the, the booklet settles to the bottom and is a big lump. It's thicker on one end than another, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm thinking if you if you have these bins and you're putting these envelopes in them, you can fit way more envelopes in the bin if you do one facing up, then one facing down, then one facing up, then one facing down, because then the fat parts will interleave. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And that is true. You can fit more envelopes in when you do it that way, oh. making like each bin have more envelopes. Oh my God, yes. Because there's me being the smart person, right? Right. But, but somebody, somebody, conveyor, later in that, somebody later the in that process belt. ain't going to love that. <laughs> down the conveyor belt, someone is unloading the things from the bins and doing something else with them. And that process goes much smoother if all the envelopes are facing the same direction. Oh my <laughs> God. So, the, the supervisor person who surely stacked ranked me last place of all the people said, what are you doing? I showed you how to do it. You put the thing in the envelope, you do this, do this, do this, you put it in the bin. What part of that didn't you understand? And I was like, well, you can fit more envelopes. And it's like, just put them in the same way. 
So I said, okay. Mm -hmm. From that point on, I put them in the correct way. (laughs) So that was probably the easiest job I ever had, but I managed to find a way to screw it up. And that was an important life lesson for me. One, I don't want to work stuffing envelopes. Two, uh, just follow directions. You don't have to find a way to be smart in every single job you do. And three, just because you think there's a better way to do a thing, you probably don't have the whole picture. So, uh, you know, before you decide, you could come up with an amazing innovation about how to fit more envelopes in a bin. I think maybe that's not the thing you want to optimize for. Many, many lessons in that job. Uh, and then four, computer associates is a terrible company. Don't work there. Everyone's sad and the bosses are mean. There's a certain phrases where you like you roll your eyes when you hear them. I mean, one of those might be like every, everybody's familiar with the idea of being like um, afraid of failure. But have you ever heard of being afraid of success? Well, actually, that is kind of a thing. Or another one is like f- someone telling you they don't want to hire you for this job because you're overqualified. And like that sounds mean. Like, why would you say, what do you mean overqualified? Like, I need this job. How could I possibly be overqualified? To quote uh, Robert California, you know, I, I wouldn't be here wasting my own time. Like, I'm the person for this job. I think that's what they mean. That's part of what they mean when they say overqualified. I think often overqualified means we can't afford to pay you for what you'll eventually realize you're worth. But I think another one is like, you are going to be so unchallenged by this job that you're going to get cute about it. And we need somebody who needs this money and this job and will do it the way, you know what I mean? Like we need somebody who will do it the way we told them to do it. We don't need your big computer brain. We need your, we need your meat hands to, to put these things in the way we told you to. You are overqualified. But nobody is uh, excited by that job. Like at a certain level, I, I know what you're getting at. And that's totally true for like for jobs that are more sophisticated. But for this type of menial job, nobody is engaged by this menial job. It's just that some people have enough wisdom and experience to know this is not your opportunity to innovate, quote unquote. This is your opportunity to just do the job. You also nailed the one part of it, though, which is, again, always with the kids, uh, listening to directions part where it's like, I, I just I'm trying to really get my kid to understand one quick anecdote. It's like, just, you know, read the directions before you start in on what you think the thing is. Read the directions, not least because you will eventually encounter a professor at some point who totally screws with you by putting something in the directions that says, uh, don't do that. Don't answer this problem or you fail the test. Right. Like there's that. But then there's just also the like, you know, the kind of basic test taking advice they give you of like, look at the answers before you try to answer, you know, to read the question, like know what, have a framework for how you're going into this. And in that case, like, I mean, it's so hard. It's so hard because you're, you think you're a smart cookie and it's so hard not to apply what you think your big brain is. Were you allowed to wear a Walkman? I I have some recollection that maybe there was a a radio that I didn't control playing badly distorted. Listen to it after 11 a.m. Playing badly distorted music into the the place at large. I don't think anyone had headphones. I had a a CD man, you know, CD player like with headphones at that point, but I I don't never occurred to me to bring it to work. So I don't even think that was an option. I think it was just like badly distorted radio blaring from the corner somewhere on some station that I didn't like. And just everyone was miserable. I was miserable. Everyone else who was doing it was miserable. The supervisor was miserable. It, w- it was also probably my worst job ever, but it was also the job that I was the worst at. Because okay. all my other jobs, I was a good stock boy at Mandy. I was an excellent park bathroom cleaner slash truck driver slash wood splitter. I just put that in the show notes. I uh, First of all, it is episode 17 of this show. We talk about jobs. Can you believe that was recorded um, December 15th, 2015? I believe uh, it. 
episode, Don't Touch the Banana. And that's where you told us about uh, riding around on the carts and uh, doing stuff. That sounds like an amazing I job. probably also told the same story that I just told right now about computers. Oh, this is it. See now, if we only had a way to loop all these moments together. Anyway, people haven't heard that past episode, but if they want, they can rehear this story plus many others. But yeah, like I, it, for the most part, I've been lucky to even, you know, being a stock boy at a, at a clothing store is not particularly engaging but there's surprising amount of place for your mind to do things i've had interesting ways to file things and to we did inventory that was exciting and even just vacuuming the store and coming up with good patterns to vacuum i was like a little human roomba Mm -hmm. uh, cleaning the things in the back stacking the boxes like tetris like there's way more scope for the imagination Mm -hmm. as they say in anne of green gables uh than Mm -hmm. there is in the the envelope stuffing and then and in that job i was rewarded for my extra thought here's you know i could do a better job vacuuming, take less time, have fewer snags, you know, fit more boxes into the back room, you know, collect, organize things in a neater way. That was all, it was all rewarded. It was all valued. Yeah. And I'm sure on that episode, I talked about my flower delivery job, which, um, I mean, was a similar kind of thing. It was, it was in some ways the best job I ever had in some ways. It didn't pay great, but it had so much freedom and I could listen to music. But what you're describing, I probably didn't mention this, is the stuff like, okay, you have to decide what's the best way to deploy. It sounds so dumb, but you need to deploy the sandbags around the arrangements to be able to, you know, you have to basically come up with your route. You got to know which order to do these in. Does this need to be at the funeral home at a certain time? et cetera, et cetera. And, and yeah, and sandbag deployment, you know, is a big part of it. But like, it was just the right amount of like dumb stimulation and dumb freedom that like is is the hallmark of a good job like that. What you're describing though also, I mean, that's, I don't know, that's a little junior level expertise is like noticing opportunities for improvement and then doing it. And so nice to be rewarded. And you like the ladies you work with too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a nice, that's a nice thing. Yeah. So what, uh, in your massive list of jobs, which you may or may not want to uh, list down, um, w- name some jobs or describe some jobs that you were terrible at. Okay. Uh, in my Google spreadsheet, I created a new column while we were talking. I wasn't listening. And, um, and here's one data point to share with you. If I'm being honest, okay, there's some of these jobs that have the word freelance in them that uh, I'm not going to apply this to. Every single other job that I've got came from a friend or family except for one. Um, so, so basically the English restaurant busboy. That we got from an ad. Uh, in the paper and every single other job I got was from friend or family. I mean, which probably says a lot about my initiative in life. And also that's how, that's generally how gatekeeping and networking works. Who's allowed to have a nice job and who is not, it's who you know and who you know is based on who your parents were and all the way down the line. Are you are you inserting a a, a privilege point here, which I would take it if you're inserting it? Absolutely. Mm, Yeah. I mean, we had the white privilege, but that was about it. Yeah, but that goes a long way. Well, okay, so like some of these, and so, you know what? You are free to voir me on any part of this that you want. I don't want to go too much longer than yours because that wouldn't be just. Um, but, I mean, let's see. The uh, one you were the worst at. That just the one? I put all this time into it. Well, whichever, you know. Do you, think I, you think I crammed? I probably crammed too much. Uh, maybe you crammed the right amount, but you so far you picked zero. So let's start with one. Wow. Okay. Wow. What I realized um, as I was composing this list of this is my pre forty three folders jobs, of which I counted twenty. There might be more. Um, 
the thing I think I said this to you, spoiler alert, uh, in there on our text was um I I realized okay, so so the the idea here is to pick out the job you are worst at. Which, you know, perhaps maybe not coincidentally, sometimes the jobs you the jobs you are terrible at um are often jobs you don't like. I mean, I guess that's kind of obvious, right? I mean, there's one of these <laughs> I mean, it could be as you said, it could be retroactive where you love the job but you didn't realize until years later that you were terrible at it. Yeah, 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 exactly got it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So you could for example look at me being what I called a general kitchen grunt at best the one pizza. That is B E S T A and then the word O N E, best the one. My friend Alan got me that job. It's racist. You think that's racist? That's the one. It's a, it's a little ping pong. It's a me best the one. Um, and Alan was like a, he was the linchpin of that place. Uh, he, uh, the guy, the owner would play uh, Brady's Bits. The owner would play Steely Dan's uh, Pretzel Logic 8-track on repeat. Um, which is good, because that's a pretty good record. Not necessarily my favorite, a little overrated, but very good. Um, but best of one, uh, yeah, I was, I was totally a grunt. Alan held that place together, man. He was, I mean, of course everyone was doing cocaine. Everyone had mustaches and cocaine. Like there was so much cocaine and like this guy. You can go back to that restaurant right now based on that picture you sent me. I'm telling you, I was in the Eagles. Now in that case, that was terrible. Partly because, you know what that one was, John? This is right in your wheelhouse. That one I was terrible at because of my problem with authority. But (laughs) the incredible authoritative uh, tyranny of the pizza place. Have you ever worked in a kitchen? No. Oh, my God. You should listen to Roderick on the line. We uh, have I've a whole, watched uh, everything Anthony Bourdain has ever done, so I feel like I oh, get where wow. you're coming from. Wow. But you haven't seen everything Gordon Ramsay's ever done? No, I have hmm. not. Okay. Gordon Ramsay, that's a caricature. Anthony Bourdain told me what it was really like in the trenches. Oh, yeah, because it was all confidential. Mm-hmm. And they were all on cocaine. Um. I had a well, so dinner. what made you bad at this job? Like, this, is, this is like a pizza place, to be clear. It's, well, I don't want to make that my one. If balls. I only get one, you already blew uh, you blew up my deal, which is I was going to cannily reveal to you that as I look back on these, there are ones I knew I hated and were terrible at at the time. And if I'm being honest, looking at this list, I, I want to talk, I kind of want to talk about the ones that I thought I was acceptable to extremely good at at the time and it took me a really long time to realize i'm not okay so what's one of those mm. how long how long you got got all night okay i'll keep it short um <laughs> how long has your bladder got what are you asking me for <laughs> you got me you got me on that one um i mean for example okay so i, I have I have, I have a couple that i put in uh, in gray here in my google sheet so like when i was a telemarketer this is, I think I already told this story, but that's one where I realized that at the time I very, very, very much hated that job and I was terrible at it. Like I'm just bad at sales. I'm bad at trying to sell things and you can tell I don't really have my back in it. Um, I knew that being a hardware store remodeler helper was terrible in every conceivable way. This is 1986 and I think it was $5 an hour to work all night cleaning up a hardware store. It's probably in the other episode. I don't care. There's two here. You know what? I'll skip resident assistant. Uh, you know what? You ready? You ready for the big reveal? You know the one? Freelance project management. I would like to think that I was better at that job than I was. It was, it was an enjoyable thing to do that very much challenged me. But, but when I have the Shyamalan moment and look back on it, there's all kinds of like stuff that snaps together where I go... Oh, you know, I mean, I don't think I was like damagingly, embarrassingly like 
catastrophically bad at it, but I sure wasn't as good as I thought. And I mean, it's pretty much, I don't know if it's strict Dunning-Kruger, but like I, uh, or Dunder Mifflin or any of the different syndromes, but like, I, I definitely thought I was better than I was. And yeah, when I look back, I'm a little embarrassed at how much not as good at that, uh, as I thought I was at the time. What makes a good project manager? How do you determine I mean, from your current perspective and your wisdom? Like what, how do you measure success so that you can tell this person is a good project manager because what, mm-hmm. what are the OKRs? What are the PKIs? Oh, okay. And the, uh, the, the body, uh, kilo index, mm-hmm. um, the, what are some things? I mean, so, so here's one that's real mushy and unsatisfying, which is that, I mean, most project managers are very good people, people, and not just that they get along with people, although that really makes a huge difference, but I think good project managers also have, uh, they've worked with people enough that they have very good intu- intuition. And that phrase, I don't love judge of character. I don't love that phrase. It's a stupid phrase, but like, but people are good at sussing out other people uh, for something as crass as trying to motivate them, but for as uh, subtle as uh, knowing how to motivate them. Crass in the sense of, oh, hey, I already told you, Bob, I told you six times, you don't have the budget for that date, D to lead D, but to have the nuance to know how to motivate, not to like, you know what I mean? Not to like push people around because all you you have is a paper mandate. I'm not going to do a lot for you. But I mean, honestly, I think that's a huge part of it. Way more experience than I had both in the trenches and at a low middle management level. Because a man, a project manager manages projects. They're not strictly people managers. They're resource managers in a lot of ways. Or they're resource traffic cops, maybe is a better way to put it. Um, yeah, there's just a million ways I wasn't as good as I thought. And I think I suspect that one reason I thought I was good at it was that like I was kind of a make-believe friend of software people and i figured like oh that's got to be applicable having heard some terminology is that that like was that a a friend of dorothy reference you were trying to make friend of software people yeah fellow traveler they call it all right no i just no 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 but i told you about the uh, the dot-com job where i do feel like i don't know if i learned a lot but i unlearned a lot which is not quite as good as learning a lot but i unlearned a lot of my extremely stupid stupidity and got a little bit better at like being slightly less of a -a dingling. Do you think you needed to know that to to know how to motivate people? Like the other, your other point about like tr- trying to motivate them without being bossy and making them hate right. you. Like was that did did more knowledge of the subject area? Does that help in that? I I liked well. There's so many levels of wrong here, but like <clears throat> I mean, I'd like to have thought it did, even though I didn't really have that expertise. But I don't know if there's any project I could have managed that well. I'm not even getting into the whole like why 43 folders started stuff which was like the ah of like i am the backboard for everything in a way i've never been before right i like the, the basically the stuff's gonna stuff's gonna come through me and i'm gonna have to catch all the stuff that isn't like for the practitioners uniquely to deal with I'm, i don't know if i'm putting that well but working with pretty high level practitioners who are crazy busy like i'm going to be like super secretary for lots of things but then also I'm going to have to have the presence of mind to know when to escalate things to the practitioner or the manager, the true manager. Um, and I, I don't think I really had those. And I think if I'm being honest, again, it's that um, because I didn't fail catastrophically much, I tended to think I was living up to my abilities um, 
And I didn't have that much context for whether I was doing a good job because I knew I was working really hard. I was sending lots of emails. I was scheduling lots of calls. I was like, you know, making Gantt charts or whatever. But like, and I did learn a lot from the people that I work with, but I just, um, I don't even know if there's any, any one given thing apart from utter lack of experience. I mean, isn't it always ultimately in some ways lack of experience that leads to failure with so many things like this is like, if I'd had more experience, I'd have enough experience to know I didn't have the experience. You know, how am I going to find out what I got to find out if he's not going to find out what I got to find out in the words of Chico Marx. And so, yeah, that was really bad. And like, it took me a lot of years to look back on that and go, in the past, it's been like, oh, you know, lean back in your chair, put your feet up and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to do that. It's a tough racket. Um, but like, you know, if I, yeah, to be honest, like, I think I, uh, I want to say I could have done a better job. I don't know if I could have done that much better of a job. Um, a quick mini pivot, a younger family member had a rough patch a few years back and the young family member kind of out of pretty much nowhere, you know, decided that he wanted to go to school to become an automotive mechanic. And I mean, you know, he couldn't fix a dog fight. Like he, he didn't know anything about anything related to engines or anything or stuff, which is not necessarily bad. That's why you go to school. But like he didn't, it wasn't like he had some basis for choosing that particular thing apart from the way an idiot like me would decide to go to electronic school because that's the brochure that he was handed, right? And so, like, that's that's the thing. is like you don't have enough experience to know what experience you don't have. And, like, it, you don't realize what an inorganic fit it is with however you arrived at that being the solution to the thing. So I don't, I don't know if I could have been better because I didn't know enough to know if I could be better. This is very embarrassing for me to say, but because that's a job I really loved and really prized. And the, the connections that I made at that job with actual people... Um, was really valuable to me and it felt like a big deal. And I, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I was really not that good at it. I think. I'm not that convinced that you're actually bad at this job and I'll tell you why. I think mm -hmm. in, in any kind of skill that you develop over a long period of time, it's inevitable that you'll look back and see how you applied that skill many years ago and be like, Oh God, I was so bad at it because you've gotten so much better and know so much more about it now, but it doesn't mean you were bad about it. then. it just means that you're much better at it now. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. like, were you a bad project manager or were you just, uh, did you just learn so much more about project management? In fact, and I think it's even possible to learn more about project management, even after you stop being a project manager. And so you can look back and say, boy, I wasn't doing that as well as I could have, or I understand so much more about it now. But were you bad at it? I mean, maybe you weren't great. Maybe yeah. you were mediocre, but I don't think you were like bad. Because I feel like if you're bad at a job, you can tell because everybody around you tells you that you're doing it badly. Again, see the episode of Roderick on the Line that will be in the right. show notes. People will tell you, you're bad at this job. In fact, you may be so bad that maybe we may be considering firing you, mm -hmm. which is, I, I don't, have I ever been fired? I don't think so. I mean, they would have fired me from that computer associate's job if it wasn't like a temp job and it was over in like a week and a half or two weeks or wherever it was. Mm -hmm. But but I, like, was that, did you ever have a discussion during your freelance project management? They said, yeah, we hired you to be a project manager, but it turns out you suck, so never mind. Well, it's no, no, not at all. In fact, the opposite. Um, I mean, it's, it's difficult to say because I was, I would like to think pretty good friends with several of the people there. I came to be good friends with them. And, um, I was in fact tendered a job offer to be what would have been their third, like there's the founders and then there's the employees and I would have been their third employee. And that didn't work out from you know, sort of my end of that when I wanted, which I probably didn't deserve, but that didn't work out. But like, I don't know, I got offered a job at one point 
And I think that soured things a little bit. But it was, uh, to answer your question, no. I mean, I don't think I was hugely dropping the ball. The story that I've told a dozen times that bears a tiny repeat here is this is, in many ways, like where 43 Folder started. From showing a a well-known web designer that shared a desk there, like what you could do with Quicksilver, you know, to like constantly sharing these little tips and tricks things, to the whole like, honestly... The failings, the, at the time I thought, you know, oh, I could be better at this job. I, I can't get my hands around this job the way I would want with the tools that are available. Trying to schedule international conference calls like using a Yahoo product. Like, it, it was really, really hard. So, no, I don't think I was like, it was not like as a, a stupid phrase, fire. I wasn't like a firing event or a firing, what are they, what's the phrase, that terrible phrase people use? A firing offense? Fireable offense. I know, I, I, I never got anywhere near that. And I did really put my back into it. I did try very hard at it. But no, you could be right. You could be right. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't want to go too deep. But like uh, in talking to my shrink about things involving my uh, mental health and cognition, I was telling him about this thing that I was feeling I might be suffering a little bit as a side effect uh, involving, I was wondering if my memory was not as good. Please hold. Do not make fun of me yet. And he said, well, you know, one of the side effects of the things that you're taking is cognitive enhancement. And there is some chance, sure, it's possible, we should get you tested and stuff, but there is a chance that you're just noticing it more efficiently than you used to. And I was like, oh, God, (laughs) oh, God, no, please don't let that be the case. Has it always been this bad? But that's the thing, right? That's what, I mean, what is expertise? You know, the old butcher, as I said, you know, in 43 Folders days, like it's, it's that ability, even though you can't explain how you know that this weighs a pound, you know, this roast beef weighs a pound because you've done it for a long time. So, you know, you're right though. You're right. Well, you're not right. Um, you're, you're, you are certainly accurate in the sense of the stuff that I was aware of that could be better. I could tell where my failings were. I think like the, uh, like Samuel L. Jackson's pig, I got by a lot on personality. Um, but I guess the reason I called this one up here amongst the 20 jobs I have here, there are others that I, effing hated like some of these jobs like i just i wish death upon people that i worked with but but that's the one where i walk away and uh, 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 16 late 16 years later i go hmm you know maybe i wasn't as maybe it wasn't just that i was sort of overwhelmed with the volume and type of work it might be that like maybe i'm just not as suited for that as i would like to have thought maybe I mean, it sounds like you were enjoying it in the moment. And obviously the people you were working for thought you were doing a good job. Doesn't mean that they weren't mistaken. Maybe they were mistaken, but they thought you were, and they offered you a job. Like, it's like this, you know, this freelance guy we hired is great. We should offer him a job. He's doing a good job at this thing. And it's only like in hindsight that that it looks different. But I wonder if that, what is their hindsight? Like maybe, again, maybe their hindsight is spoiled by you turning down their offer because you wanted more money than they were willing to give you. I didn't say that. Isn't that what you said? They offered you no, a job? No, and, you know, and so you, it was that. It was that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I said that, but you got it. Um, yeah, it could be. It could be. Uh, it's um, it's that. You know, you you are definitely partly right in the sense of like, you know, God, I, I, I mean, I'm only to some certain extent the kind of person who mulls stuff over. Like, oh my gosh, I wish I hadn't said that thing, whether that's last week <laughs> so or seventh grade. over a job negotiation from 25 years ago. <laughs> well, um... Some of these are, some of these are pretty bad. That one, no, that was, it was very pleasant. Um, but 
Yeah, you know what it is. It's just it's just wild because, uh, gosh, I'm I'm my brain is swimming trying to come up with the right example here. The dumbest one that comes to mind that's certainly apocryphal is the uh, dollar sign scientist who puts the X on the machine. You know. Mm-hmm. Is that one apocryphal? I thought that there was actually a legit real version of that, and there's just variations. That would were. be a triple turns out. So I've heard Fermi. I've heard, which doesn't make I any sense. It was like the, the atomic bomb thing. I heard, it was, yeah. I heard it was. I heard it was Henry Ford hired <laughs> what Henry Pasteur? Ford. Henry mm. Ford hired Pasteur, or maybe well, Mark Twain. <laughs> that's sounding apocryphal right now. Yeah, for sure. Yes, that's a bit. Uh, but then you hire the guy. He says, "Oh, my machine's not working. Bring me the greatest uh, scientist in the world." Mm-hmm. The guy comes in, makes an X. I know, I know, you know this. You make an X on things. Say, "Here's the part that's broken. Fix this." And he sends the uh, sends the theoretical Henry Ford a bill for ten thousand dollars. And um, and the theoretical Henry Ford says, "That's ridiculous. I can't believe you're trying to charge me ten thousand dollars for your work. Send me an itemized invoice." And he sent. Uh, he said, "You know." Um, one dollar to make the mark, nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars to know where to make the mark. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good story, almost definitely. You should untrue. have told that story when you were asking for your uh, big salary. Episode seventeen. Don't touch the banana. Uh, Merlin, in turn, critiques John's propensity to murder a joke by telling it in weird bullets. Weird bullets. They're bullets. <laughs> I'll grant you. Are they weird? <laughs> he said it tastes terrible. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, whatever it is you want to get onto the internet. We highly recommend you try Squarespace because it makes it so gosh darn easy. Squarespace is actually an all-in-one platform. It lets you do whatever it is you need to do. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades are ever needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They also have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. They're responsive designs, so they look great on every kind of device or dingus. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Squarespace and I use it all the time. I, uh, I host a podcast there. I have my personal sites are there. And the thing I want to say to you is, you know, uh, even if you're a regular uh, web code slinging jockey, you know, uh, Squarespace may not be right for you. It might be right for you, but it's probably right for someone you know. So, so please remember Squarespace when you encounter people in your life whom you love or tolerate, who need to get something onto the public internet, suggest the Squarespace and that will get you out of the web master business. That's a freebie. They can just use that. And Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. You can start a trial right now with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code diffs, D-I-F-F-S, to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And it shows your support for reconcilable differences. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash diffs. Offer code diffs gets you 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. So anyway, that was mine. Best of one. You like that? Best of one. I don't yeah, I don't think you were actually that bad. Do you have a, what about the ones that you hate you that you were actually bad at? Do you ever sure. have a job where someone told you you're bad at it? Or a boss or a coworker said you're you stink at this job? 
I mean, resident assistant, I had a couple talkings to that were heavily deserved. Who talks to you when you're the RA? Is there like a the super housing RA? director? No, the housing director. An RA at New College is basically like, I mean, you know, it's give Weed out toilet paper. Kinda. You give out toilet paper and condoms and try to keep people from overdosing and, you know. Yeah, the bar, bar seems low there. So what were you getting talked to from the housing person about? There, you were too many people were having bad trips in your dorm? I, you know how I'm a serial monogamist? Mm, if you say so. Yeah, I do. Um, during the week before orientation, when all the RAs show up to get things set up and do all the stuff and put together packages and manila envelopes and all that kind of stuff, uh, I struck up a, uh, you know, a, uh, relationship, uh, with another RA and, mm-hmm. as um, you do. yeah, or as you're was, not supposed to do, you tell me she was amazing. She was so cool. And, uh, introduced me to Van Morrison. Too cool you know for you. Is that, a, is that a euphemism? <laughs> There's, there's no euphemisms in New College. Everything is no. <laughs> everything's liter- literal. Man. Everything is literally. literally what you did. Um, and we, when you're an RA, you get paid a small stipend, but mostly you get a free like corner balcony, like a good room, and yep. it's free. And um, and again, I just want to stipulate because I know there's an entire population of people out there who hear RA and think of like a you know like a a cop, uh, which is not what we were. Um, no, but like not a new college. No, not a new college. And um, like I say, toilet paper, light bulbs, uh, condoms, and then mm-hmm. like you know to deal with the occasional crisis, which I also could have been better at. But um, no, in that case, we were spending. Uh, we didn't have a mat on the floor. Let's put it that way. And uh, there were nights when I probably should. One of us should have been back at our room, and we weren't. And I, I think about that. Oh, so you were at one or the other's room, but that meant that the one room was unoccupied at that time? Somebody's banging on the door for condoms. You know, I'm over here but listening to Van there. Morrison. You're not there. You're with your lady friend, R.A., in a different yeah, room. Yeah, turn it up. Radio. Radio. Boy, there's not even enough room for you to have some lovey times with the other R.A.? You could get reprimanded too by the housing director? Many, too many lovey times. Too many. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's... And I know I told... I, I, Oh, what? that reminds what? me of that line from uh, Brighton Beach Memoirs. I was thinking about that recently because I was trying to recommend uh, some people who have never seen it. Have you seen Brighton Is Beach Memoirs? Is that Matthew Broderick? Uh, no, he's in Nathan Bluxy Lane? Blues. Maybe Nathan he's Lane? in Bluxy Blues. It's Jonathan Silverman in Brighton Beach Memoirs. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, anyway, go ahead. Uh, this is one part in the thing where the, his older brother says, Jesus, how horny can you get? And he says, I don't know. What's the maximum score? <laughs> but he says, I don't know. What's the maximum score? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> too many too many uh love times it's like well you know how much is too much and you should say i don't know what's the maximum yeah i genuinely really really liked her and i and i did i hate to admit this i did at the time have a libido so sounds um, like it sounds, you couldn't even you couldn't even hold down an ra job you were too busy making time with down, your lady friend i, I held special it down lady. firm i held it down um, anyway, and I'm sure I told the story of the hardware store remodeler helper because that's the canonical job story for me. I'm sure I talked about that in the other episode. Yeah, but it didn't sound like you were bad at that. It just sounded like grim and It was bad. the worst. It was the worst. Um, yeah, but that's that's mostly it. Oh, well, it must be tough being us, being good at everything we do, huh? I think I was, I feel like I felt very vulnerable telling you that, that uh, a job that's one of my favorite jobs I ever had, I was not very good at. Yeah, but it's just like my job, or it's just like a backhanded way to describe how clever you are. No, I don't think you did that. No, but I mean, I sandbag sometimes, but I wasn't sandbagging then. 
Yeah. Um, oh, but no, I mean, you know, of course, we haven't even got into, you know, uh, the, uh, the real, if I was really going to open myself and be vulnerable to a man like you, um, I would let you go out and be hammer and tongs on um, line 17 uh, freelance web stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was helping strike deals. Oh, that's right. You did do what? Uh, what? Uh, cold fusion programming for a while? <laughs> no, I helped the people who did cold fusion. Yeah. I did cold fusion at, at a later version of. The 1999 job. Yeah, I'm willing to stipulate you were probably bad at that job. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah, and I got a, I got a book. But the thing is, back then, I got, I got almost a book everybody that showed how you use Dreamweaver with that Microsoft database app everybody had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, access? Yes, that's the, I. Yes, I had that. I had a book about that. Mm, yeah. Use it with use it with uh, Dreamweaver, and then you could uh, you could make a database that had it's called a web front end. I think it's called. Well, we wasted a lot of good application names on terrible things in the early days of the web you think so dreamweaver that's a good name hot metal these are all these are all good names now forever tarnished flash yeah flash Ah. is not a bad name flash is a great name yeah yeah you know what flash was good for what it did kind of what was the one before it met the macromedia the macromedia thing director no, that, that's the app we're making. Yeah, Shockwave. We had a Shockwave player on the Bacon Ray webpage where you could listen to our music. <laughs> of course Shockwave. you did. Shockwave. Of course you did. It's probably still a exploit in the wild out there somewhere. Uh, anyway, that's probably enough of that. Um, what's your, uh, what job were you best at ever? Best at? Uh... Well, and, and take, it, take it if any way you want. I was going to say like, you know, don't say, oh yeah, I'm a good programmer boy unless you want to. But like, is there one where you like, you did way better at that than you expected? Mandy? Is it I Mandy? Think I, you like Mandy. I don't think I did better than I expected. And any uh it's tough to say because every uh, all the jobs I had, I think I was pretty good at there. It was in the context of a larger a larger effort and a larger company. And it's like, well, if you were really as good as you think you were, the larger effort would have gone better, but there's only so much influence you can have from doing mm-hmm. your one job as part oh, yeah. of that thing. So I don't know. But yeah, I think being a programmer is the thing I was best at. And it just really depends on in what context was I asked to perform those skills and, uh, you know, how set up for success or failure was I in that context? How much did I help the company succeed more than it would have? You know, mm-hmm. like I think I helped in all the places I was employed, but uh, my amount of help, uh, can only sort of bend the line a certain amount in each of those scenarios. Is there so, is there know. a job like that where you feel like uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Is there a job like that where you feel like you adapted uh, better than you normally would to what the job needed? I mean, have there been times when you didn't just come in and go meh? Had there been times when you adapted and found a way to be great at it? I, I never, I never came in and went meh. I was always very. Oh, that's very, your noise. You do that. No, I was always ready to to do uh, what needs to be done. I don't know. Like I'm, I always I always think I was I'm adding something and making things more successful. But I I don't I don't have I was not blessed with like a, a lot of people. Maybe you know people like imagine you worked on like the original iPhone or something. Mm-hmm. The guy who wrote that book about it or whatever. If you've been associated in any way with a fantastically successful undertaking. It's got to feel better than to have done a really good job on something that just came out okay, or to have your part, done your part really well in, in a part of a startup that failed, right? Mm. 
Yeah, I it guess. It doesn't mean that the person. Oh, who, you mean as okay, okay. You're you're not even saying like uh, success within normal parameters. You're saying like okay, it feels better to have worked on say the iPod than to have done a great job on something that for whatever reason marketplace didn't catch on. Yeah, like the Microsoft Kin. Remember that? Am I getting the name of it right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. It's, it was like some smartphone thing that Microsoft was doing. Like, say you mm. were the person who was responsible for like writing the memory like manager. WebOS? Would you count WebOS? Maybe. Yeah, or a webOS or like but even just like an aspect of webOS. You can pick webOS as a thing people know. Like say say you were responsible for some aspect of webOS that you did an amazing job on and in fact worked great and exceeded everyone's expectation and still hasn't mm-hmm. been equaled in the industry. But the fact is that that little thing that you worked on, you know, even if it's not so little, was part of an overall failed product that eventually yeah. got bought up by LG and now is in your television. It is. And it's not in cell phones anymore. And I bet, you know, if you're that person, you're like, maybe that was the best I ever performed in my job. I was asked to to work on this major component. I designed and implemented it myself. I led a team of people who helped me do it and everything came out exactly the way I thought it would and had all sorts of advantages that made the overall platform better than it would have been if I wasn't here. But it's part of a failed product. Or you worked on the original iPhone and the component you worked on was actually kind of buggy and got replaced two years later and never really worked right. But you worked on the original iPhone, which is an amazing, successful product. I bet it feels better to have worked on the iPhone. And if someone says, name the job that you were best at, you'd be like, well, I helped work on the original iPhone. Whereas that poor WebOS guy is like, I thought I did a really good job in this, but in the end, it wasn't enough to save the thing because very little that one individual can do if, unless you're like the you know chief executive, whatever, can have that kind of influence. That's kind of feel like how I feel like about programming jobs. I feel like I did a really good job on certain aspects of things that were parts of products or companies that either weren't wildly successful or outright flat out failed. And it's hard to feel like I did the best job ever on that thing, but the company went out of business. Like, well, did you do that great of a job? And then you're like, well, but are you being too hard on yourself because you were just a programmer and you weren't even like in charge of anything? You were just working on your little corner. So it's it's hard for me to assess that. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's much easier for me to assess which, like you were talking about, which jobs you had more fun at, which jobs you enjoyed, which jobs you hated, because that's more of a just like mm-hmm. experiential thing. Yes, and yes, that, sure. It, it's easier to nail down versus did you do a good job? I uh, I am not immune to compliments. I enjoy a compliment, and I I enjoy when I get to talk to somebody. Um, I mean, within reason. But somebody who likes an obscure thing I did a long time ago that makes me really happy. And I don't know if they're just trying to shine me on, but like I, I really I love that feeling. I I love um, and, and I'm going somewhere with this. But like I, that makes me feel great when somebody's like, you know, that's like fives. I really like that. And I'm like, oh man, I haven't updated that forever. Like, well, I just really used to like it. And I'm like, you know what? I liked it too. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I did talk at Qualcomm uh, a few years ago and somebody um, introduced me. I think I've told you this, but I got introduced to to a guy there who was really nice and he seemed vaguely familiar with what my deal was. And I forget how it came up, but I think, I think it might've been that my host said, uh, you know, he worked on. And I was like, what? And he goes, he worked on Eudora. I was like, you worked on Eudora? Like, once I could get like a TCP IP connection, like it was so that I could have news groups in Eudora. Like, oh my God. I was like, I was, it was seriously, it was like I was talking to the, I don't know, like a YouTuber. I don't know. It's like somebody people get excited about today and I don't know why. I met a guy who was like a big deal on Eudora. And like, you know, I mean, whatever. Eudora got weird eventually. It got dumb. It got ads. It got silly. It got stupid. Didn't really need the hot peppers. But oh my God, I love that app so much. And like, I kind of want to be, I wouldn't mind being that guy, you know? 
you know, a little, little bit older, you get a beard and uh, people like a, a thing you did that like had an impact on them. That, that changed. I mean, like every app I used after that, I had to rethink. I first went from Eudora to, I want to say, Outlook for Mac. And the idea of that three-pane interface was utterly bad. Now, of course, that's the standard. No, you went to Entourage, probably, not Outlook by then, right? Was Entourage no, before, was before, before Entourage, there was Outlook Well, that's right, the original yellowy Outlook. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Outlook exactly. Express. Entourage. Okay, yeah, right. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it didn't have any of the good stuff, like, you know, sorting and sorting and subsorting. Why did we never get that? But it, um, yeah, Entourage was actually pretty cool, except for that. I loved dumb. Entourage. I loved it. I thought Entourage was magic. It's probably my favorite mail application ever. Well, I'll tell you a story. I was uh, doing some work. I don't know if I mentioned this. I was doing some work in project management uh, when I was using Eudora. And it was perfect for that. It was so, it was amazing to be able to create a thing, a blob that has names and meetings and notes. You know what I mean? Like, do you remember that ability to like strap all this stuff together? It was, it was wild. Um, And it was good. It was slow. And I didn't love that two gigabit single file database where all my stuff could crash really easily. But, but you know, you know, before that was Eudora and like Eudora was my first graphical. I mean, I guess I used pine briefly before that, but like it was the first graphical email app I'd used apart from like, you know, Microsoft message or whatever in the office. But like, but that ability, like from now on, all of my email from Dennis will go in this window and that window will be up here. And that's where it will always be. And like when all the things pop up, and like now all my windows are where I want them to be. And then I go answer all the email and then I close them. And you know how I know there's new email? It goes, and then the window pops up. Separate windows, John, separate windows. Mm, Eudora was all about the separate windows for sure. Remember when they used to have windows on the, on the Mac where you get I still do. Windows? I'm looking you, at them right now. Do you remember that? You could have windows on the Mac that you could move around and put places. Do you remember that? Same remember laughter. Yeah, no, I remember. Mm, Eudora was good. It was good. And then they, they got silly. Then it got silly. It got, not, not Eudora. I mean, Eudora did get silly, but it, it didn't get completely stupid. But then, like, what was it? Was it Thunderbird? Was, was that the Firefox uh, that was, one? That was the uh, Netscape-affiliated one, the one that broke off of uh, the Netscape. Oof. Netscape used to have mail, but then it Oof. broke out into a separate application called Thunderbird. It's like, like it was like, built in Swing. Am I right? Oh, God. You in the Anybody Swing. Anybody up here? You in the Swing. Um, what's next? We still have, do we have time? No, what? we do have time. We, we don't have time. We just did a show. Hmm. We did a show. We did that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Taiwan sure doctor finds uh, finds sweat bees in woman's eye. I decimated your links too. You preemptively linked. What? What do you mean? What do you mean? I can't now. See, I can't run diffs on this. How am I going to know what you took out? What to leave in? What to leave out, John? No, because you had you had preemptively put in links as if we were going to do all the mini topics. <sighs> and that that was ambitious. I didn't think you knew where this page was. Did, did you? When did you discover that there's a link? I fix the links on this all the time. No, you, I don't know You're not about good that. with the titles. Well, no, you're not good with the titles. You I'm you good, worry about a Wikipedia link. I'm you good worry with about that. Look at look at that. Look at that top one. That's what you couldn't remember before. Is this is this your canonical way to link to a toot? What are you in? Are you in 104? Where are you? Yeah. So you're saying? So what did I do wrong before you? Oh, because I had his his Twitter handle. Pilcrow you, you just had like a random copy and paste thing that came out of your Twitter client that you were putting as the, That's bad the how? title text for the what link. What is wrong it's with just, that? It was filled with garbage. It was like a pipe it got symbol sloppy, in there. John, and there was like just that's sloppy. The website name at the end of it. Like, anyway, item number you one. You want to take out TuneUp app? Item you number one. Tune up? Can, you, can you sing it? Does it make sense when you, can you hear it in your head? Or you know what I'm on about? Twitter at Rectifs found here. Huh? Number one. Number one. Read number one. Number one. What, the, the, the poop joke? 
Oh, I think you're on a different internet than I am. Relay FM slash manage slash show slash RD slash episodes slash 104 slash links. Yeah, that's where I am. Yeah. What is the top item? Let's see. Oh, you. Oh, my God. I just reloaded. Oh, my <laughs> God. What did you do to my links? You had links in there for things that we didn't you talk got, about. There's only three links on the page. What we happened? Didn't Wait, talk can about I get them back? Can I get them back? I can't get them back. They're already gone. We didn't talk about Japanese movers. We didn't oh talk about. God. Well, you have to take that stuff out. You can't put oh. the link in there for the Japanese movers. They can be like, when yeah. are they going to get to the fireworks factory? This, we never talked about Japanese movers. This is destructive of my work. I prepared. Yeah, but that's not is for this the, the show. Is this the Iran Contra code? What is that? No, it's what I was talking about before. If you oh. read that in your head, it doesn't go to a melody. Up, left, up, right, 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 down, left, up. That's not up, what it says. Read the words. Up, left. Wait, sorry. Up, left, up, right, 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 down, left, up, up. Doesn't, oh, uh, uh, 20th Century Fox. <sighs> up, go, left, go, then up, follow, right. Follow the link then. Go click on open link and just hit play and see if it rings any bells. Uh, oh, I enjoy them. Is this the one about the pirate semen? It is not. Okay. All right. Um, okay. You know what I bought? I bought uh, I bought music today on Bandcamp. Did you know? What'd you buy? I bought some power pop. Did you? Oh, you know what I bought? You know what I bought? You can guess what I bought. The fella, the fella that did the uh, Robot or Not song. I was all, wow, this mm. is right in my wheelhouse. I said hello to him on Twitter. I said, mm. hello. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, uh, and we went back and forth. It turns out he follows me on the Twitter and I said, I love your music. Where's more? He pointed me to his band campsite and I, I bought his music from there. Very nice. Did you, did you watch the video of him recording the song? With, uh, with him in the video like six times? Oh, four. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Isn't that good a good stuff? song? Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Never mind. It's really, I really liked it. I, I really liked it. it. It was one of our best theme songs ever it's popping and he's got the two fingers on the fretboard deedly 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 he's mm-hmm. laying down some licks mm-hmm. some hard hard riffs so i bought that bought that on uh, that's my this is like my fourth time on Bandcamp ever i think about the tw walsh album what else did i buy i don't know it just feels like we're leaving early i can't believe you only left three links in the, are you, am i allowed to keep herman because it was mentioned yeah like, you, can only, that. you can only put things in links that we talk about in the episode like that you're saying if it's if it's in the links it has to be in the show Oh, yeah. Okay. But what it... Mm. Like, we didn't talk about Japanese movers, so putting a Japanese but, but, mover link in these links is wrong. Can't it be aspirational? No. Why? It's not how it works. Do you think that confuses the listener, John? It does. It confuses right. them. It makes them angry. They're like, when are they going to get to the mm. fireworks factory? <laughs> so when are they going to talk about the Japanese movers? Did I get a bad download? Did you cut out the part about the Japanese movers? Is there a special members-only feed where I can hear about the <laughs> Japanese movers? <laughs> Who do I have to be a cuck to to get the Japanese movers? Whoa! (laughs) Good night, everybody. Mm